everybody. This is Dan Woods at the Early Adopter Research Podcast here at RSA 2019 in San Francisco. Today I've got with me Grant Borzakis, the CISO of McAfee, one of the major vendors in the cybersecurity space. Grant has a really interesting job that I'd like him to explain before we get started because he is CISO, but that involves three uh, different roles. Could you explain uh, how you are CISO? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, so, you know, one of the things as being the, the CISO at McAfee, um, I kind of have three charters and, and I look at it in the organization. So one is, is protecting the organization. Um, so what I would call the traditional CISO role, protecting, ensuring that McAfee um, security posture is, is what we expect it to be. That's the first. The second is providing feedback and using all of our internal McAfee developed products before the rest of all of our customers use them. So we call that our, our one McAfee program. And I we consider ourselves as customer zero. So this is something on the line that, you know, 20% of all of our environment is code that is not even released to customers so that we're actually using it, optimizing it, and testing it before it's released to the rest of the world. And then the third one is things around like this, sharing my successes with our with our customers, you know, giving them best practices models. We also um, do fusion center tours in Plano in Ireland and, and you know, trying to share best practices with many organizations across the world. Excellent. Um, it sounds like a fun job. It's a fun job. Yeah, I hope you don't have to spend too much time on airplanes. But, um, what I'd like to talk to you now uh, is about what McAfee is for a little bit, because that helps us understand how you're going to answer the questions and where you're coming from. Now, McAfee, of course, has been known for a long time as an antivirus vendor, but its portfolio is much larger than that. So if you could explain the roots of the company quickly and then you know where your portfolio has ended up in the modern day. Yeah, you know, McAfee is one of the largest cybersecurity organizations in the world. You know, I, I like to give it perspective. We, 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 we secure enterprises, you know, the, the corporate environment, and we also secure home um, users as well. We also work with telcos to help provide um, security within there as well. So we look at all the industries and, and are really focused on, you know, securing the world as, as best as we can. You know, the other thing that I think is interesting, you know, the, the global threat intelligence that McAfee has is, is very powerful. So we have over a billion uh, sensors across the world where we, we're capturing telemetry, where we actually can give a really good footprint of where the organization is. And so those built by those billion sensors, you mean like individuals, PCs, and things it, like it that? It could be a PC, it could be you know, a corporate PC, it could be an um, intrusion prevention device. Um, now with the, the integration in, of Sky High, you know, it, it includes the Sky High sensors as well. And then uh, what exactly from a product portfolio you know, do you have in terms of capabilities? I mean, you, you, traditionally you've been a consumer antivirus uh, capability, but then you have other things as well. You know, one of the things that we did over the last year is, is you know, built a, you know, I think trying to rebrand as, as, as what we are and what we're trying to drive. And I think the acquisition of Sky High was a, a key thing, but being the device to cloud organization is what we're really targeting and how we are going to market. You know, so McAfee has a long footprint, you know, with the antivirus. And I think when we look at the footprint, we, we believe, and I believe truly, 
um, even from a CISO standpoint, that the device to cloud strategy is the right one because I think the perimeters are eroding and, and there's a lot of migration into the world. So, you know, when we look at our footprint consumer-wise, we're, you know, like HomeSafe and all of the things that are around the consumer, TrueKey, um, TunnelBear was a, another acquisition from a VPN that has really helped secure the, the home networks. And then from a corporate standpoint, we have data loss protection on an endpoint. We have real t uh, machine learning. Um, we have artificial intelligence. We have um, everything that you would expect on an endpoint to secure it. And then as you kind of transverse into the cloud, we have the network um, capabilities with intrusion protection, you know, the web gateways that secure and proxy solutions. And then Sky High is an incredible product that um, is in the CASB market. Got it. And um, so essentially you have a portfolio of products that span the kind of, uh, uh, like as you say, the device to cloud uh, landscape. And then uh, where you don't have solutions, I assume you integrate with other people's solutions and, and they integrate with yours. Yeah, the other thing that is really good with McAfee is we have our SIA partnership. That is we have other third parties um, that integrate with our products. So, you know, one of the marquee things that I believe McAfee has is ePolicy Orchestrator, our EPO, which is one of the platforms that manages all of our products. And then we've also been able to integrate many, many third parties into um, that same platform. So it allows customers to manage things a little bit easier versus always having to stand up management infrastructures to support one product. Got it. So now let's go to the questions. Um, the first question is about the idea of zero trust. <clears throat> and so, you know, when you think of zero trust in sort of a pure academic uh, uh, idea, it's a, it's a vision that, you know, Google uh, originally, I mean, originally put out, recognizing some, a big change in the cybersecurity landscape, which was that all the mobile devices we have means that the perimeter means a lot less than it used to. The perimeter can <clears throat> effectively be a zone of trust preventing people from the outside of, from getting in, but when you allow somebody with a phone, when you allow somebody with a laptop, you're, you're effectively allowing a threat in because you know so many uh, attacks take place at the device level. So the, the most rational assumption is to assume that you, we can't trust anything uh, that comes in, that is inside the network or outside the network, and once you do that, the whole idea of a perimeter becomes far less important. It's not that it's not needed at some level, but it's just not the, the main event anymore. So, but, but then if you, you think about like companies who have been the pure zero trust adopters, Google has done so by creating a custom stack of technology from top to bottom to allow this model to work. Now they have, of course, very many special needs and, and, and they also have, you know, they're highly uh, uh, attacked by the best people. Now, a lot of other companies, uh, if they wanted to implement this idea, it's not even clear what it would mean to them. You know, what does zero trust mean to a small and medium business? What does zero trust mean to an average company? And so uh, you can't go and buy the Google stuff and say, okay, we're gonna implement all that. So the question is really what do you, there's a really important idea there, but how do you make sense of that idea and then what should you do about it? You know, you know, I think if I kind of take that question apart a little bit, I think about it in, in the terms of where we all originated. So when we think about the perimeter, you know, it's historically been 
outside the firewall are bad things, inside the firewall are good things. And we've traditionally done that. And then anything that kind of interacts with the two, we've put them into DMZ segmented networks. And, and I, so I, I think you know, that philosophy has been in place for a long time and is, is widely accepted within the security community. So I think as, as zero trust has come in, absolutely it is the, the direction the industry needs to move to. Um, I, I think the perimeter, you know, they'll call the perimeter is dead, um, isn't exactly true. I think we'll always be a, a layers of security that will, will help a zero trust model. But I do think that the, the concept of implementing and not trusting internal networks is the way organizations start thinking about it. And because, you know, I think what we, you know, you always talk about the Tootsie Roll Pop, hard on the outside and, and you know, soft and gooey in the middle. You know, that's the way that a lot of the networks have been built. So Zero Trust takes the concepts in my mind that we've pr traditionally have managed externally, internally, of we're not going to trust anything internally, and we're going to have to actually adopt the philosophy. So I, I think to your point, to implement Zero Trust is a, is a philosophy thing. It is a way that we have to start communicating and really getting that kind of new thought leadership within the organizations. Well, but, but practically, it seems like that, you know, one move you can make is to improve your authentication, mm -hmm. you know, to make it either multi-factor or to make it, uh, uh, you know, passwordless or to do something so that, that authentication is stronger and more effective. And that, that now gets you somewhere. You know, the, 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 uh, then you've got device management, you know, and, and, and protecting the device. Well, you know, that's an, an important aspect of this. Now, we always protect the devices at some level, but protecting them even more. Then being able to route, you know, traffic that's when you're outside of the perimeter, you know, in a way that ensures that you're as safe as possible when you're accessing internal resources or cloud resources. That seems like a, you know, having some sort of gateway, mm -hmm. whether it's a cloud gateway or, or some other gateway, you know, that, that seems, uh, you know, those three things seem to get you, you know, a long way towards zero trust. Now then, you, you can take the concept to, you know, far to, to, and expand it. And, and some people I've talked to have said, hey, you know, it's possible to, to, to assume the same thing about your servers. Assume every server has been compromised. You know, what would you do then to make sure that every server is clean? Do you, you know, re, uh, reconfigure it, you know, uh, take it down, create it from a clean image every day or every week or whatever? And, and so you can, I think that you can abstract the concept and, and do lots of other things. But, I mean, what would you add to that, that basic food groups? You know, I, th I think that, you know, you, you hit a lot of the key points on this. And, and, you know, authentication is a big one. I think if you look at cloud you know, the different cloud providers, you know, they're heavily, heavily weighted on identity and access. And, and that is a, an area that I think all organizations should be very focused on. You know, same point on the endpoint. You know, I, I think, you know, the one thing I will add, I think all of those are very good things. I think it's the adoption and the maturity of, of how you approach this problem. So one of the things that I think is important is there's a lot of philosophy, but how do we actually take some action with this? So to your point, you know, I think, you know, implementing strong authentication internally and treating your endpoints as, you know, secure devices that can't be connected um, is the way to go. And, and, and I think to your point on the data centers, designing, you know, systems that can do it. I think part of automation, 
I think part of um, even the protection that you can do from an endpoint, you can apply to the server. But I think that from an execution standpoint, it ha you really need to understand how applications work. You really have to understand what protocols you know, that are going on within your organization. And that's something that I've seen not done well, very well in most organizations is understanding the footprint of what ports, what services, how things connect um, within the internal network. So I think that's widely known from kind of internet and DMZ worlds, but not internally. So, you know, you have the question of well, what port, what service, how does that connect? Those become very vitally critical when you start to get into zero trust and how to operate those. I see. So, so in other words, you're saying Illumio will be your next acquisition. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, uh, that, what you just said there, um, fits into um, a, the next uh, question that I have, and one of my bonus questions as well, and that is the, the idea of portfolios of cybersecurity is something I've been very interested in. And on early adopter research, my research site, we have a, a research mission called uh, um, creating a balanced cybersecurity portfolio. And there what I try to do is look at the cybersecurity portfolio using concepts like the NIST framework and, and, and then also using ideas from financial portfolio management to try to figure out how do you to understand in each of the, the buckets that you've decided you're going to have a portfolio, what's enough, you know, and what's too much, and how do you balance spending to get optimal results across them, and how do you integrate those, those, those capabilities that you have. And, and so if you do this properly, at some point you should be able to, to do what I call portfolio pruning. You should be able to have fewer of something. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's fewer vendors, maybe it's less complexity. You know, maybe it's uh, some capabilities you, de you determine because you understand your network are no longer needed and you can retire capabilities. But you know what? If you talk to most CISOs, it's, it's very uh, rare that they retire cybersecurity solutions. That, you know, so what do you see the prospects are for portfolio pruning uh, to be in the, in the modern world? So that's an interesting way to look at it. And, and I will say every organization that I've been in, um, I've done that. And, and I think that... You know, I, I think, you know, even this conference, if we look at the floor, and I look at it when I attended this 20 years ago, you know, when there were 50 vendors, and now there are, I don't know how many, six or 700 at the, the conference, and, you know, everybody's trying to sell you the, the next machine learning platform that will solve all of your problems. And, and at the end of the day, right, I, I think the things that will get you breached are not going to be the technology. I think they're going to be more around how you actually built your architecture, your infrastructure, your process to support it. And I think where you know a lot of organizations you'll see maybe have 30 different products with 30 different vendors. And you know I think when you start to integrate that type of an environment, it becomes very complex. And then you will start to not optimize products. So one of the greatest, one of the coolest things about my job and we kind of talked about you know the, the, earlier about the SIA partner in our own products is that I don't pick products. You know, I take our products and optimize them. So, you know, all of the conversations, and if you think about this, that people spend talking to vendors, trying to get process to work or or you know an integration to work, that that is not even my team doesn't even focus in on it. So if we take our you know our SOC solutions and and take our ESM product, you know. 
my job is to optimize the product to the best of its capability. And then when you say ESM, I like to explain the acronyms. ESM is our Enterprise Security Manager, which is our SIM solution, our, um, our event collection correlation product. And then the, the SOC is the Security Operations security Center. Operations and center. The, the Security Analysts in the Security Operations Center would use the ESM to do their jobs. Correct. And, and I think that this is, it, it's a good point because what I've seen historically, even in organizations that I have been part of and, and even talking on, I, I met up with a couple other CISOs and we talked about the same thing, which is we buy all of these products, we don't optimize, you know, we have this great magic quadrant from Gartner that everybody says you need to buy in the upper right, but then we go to implement, we don't, we, we're so far to the bottom left that we've never really actually optimized the product. So one of the things that I do think is very key is when you buy a product to use it to its fullest capabilities and implement it, it its viewpoint. So, and I think well, that- uh, Okay, that, that you said some really good things there. Uh, and, uh, some things that I believe about enterprise software resonate with what you said. So, but let's 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 unpack a little bit okay. of this. First of all, give me some examples of how you've actually pruned a portfolio. You know, one of the organizations that um, I, I have been involved in had three different antivirus products, and I, I think that's a very easy one. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that simple, I, I easy. Agree, I agree that that is pruning. Yep. That you know, going from multiple vendors to one vendors, and that that's one thing that I have seen people do. Um, uh, but like the, the kind of more the more interesting part of pruning would be to be able to eliminate capabilities completely. But 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 that's that's fair. Yep. So what other types of pruning do you have you done? You know, I think that's the big one. I think the other one is is you know there are also tools like that will you know help you manage a firewall or will help you manage those things. And I, I think where you know, the other thing I've seen, even within our own products like an EPO, is trying to simplify EPO, our, our e-policy orchestrator management, yeah, oh yeah, kind of, of trying to simplify um, the environment from a management is another one, is of how do I get control over how I'm managing the environment. So, and, and even in our portfolio, we've tried to put everything within the EPO council so it's easier to manage it. I think there's another way. The other one I, I do think is is interesting where we often bolt things on. Um, you know, I, I think if you could look at, you know, the, the network access solutions, you know, we'll, we can buy a vendor, we can buy a product, or we can, we can kind of drive it whether with, you know, within our own ex existing switching environment, you know, with like a Cisco, we kind of using um, what they do with their, their network access control solution. Um, making that work kind of out of the box is a very good way to do things where, you know, there's many products you can bolt on different things and, right. and, and now you, you, you know, you've, you've, you've put a product in place of something that you could really address from a security hygiene standpoint. And, you know, I think with, you know, the, the NAC um, network access control, you know, is, is, is a key thing. And I think about this within our environment as well is we have an integration with Cisco and through our e-policy orchestrator that they communicate and work. And I think thinking about... So you can, you can change the infrastructure to, to reflect your security desires. In yeah. Other words. And, and then really looking at the capabilities, right? Everybody has the ability to do network access control, you know, and, and saying, you know, I think to, to your point on zero trust, the other one that I would have said is network access control and making sure you understand what assets are in the network become very important. But I, I think when you start looking at this, we could go buy other products, we can go buy other bolt-ons, 
but if you can kind of simplify right. how you're doing it, often simplification that reduces complexity increases security. Got it. So um, you also mentioned something that I think is really important, and that is when you buy a product, you should implement it to its fullest capabilities and its viewpoint. And I think that that's the real key to understanding an enterprise software product in general and using it effectively is using it to the way it was intended to be used. And uh, you know that's not to say that you have to might not have to adapt mm -hmm. either the way you work to the product or the product to the way you work in some ways. But if that fit isn't there, you really are not going to get a lot of value out of that product. And so, how do you how do you go about understanding the viewpoint and, and making sure you're not you know having a screwdriver be a hammer? Yeah, I think this is uh, it's a it's something that I think the technology world has. Um, dealt with for a long time, and I I always like to go back to you know if you take the you know the big financial system implementations the you know the oracles the um, SAPs and you think about it from an accounting or finance perspective what you what you see is that we're always told not to customize things right, right? so so you know many organizations years ago customized their big implementations and when they upgraded they became this monster. And, and, and I, I believe, and this is something that, you know, even in the security world, is we're doing the same thing. And we're not, we're, we're trying to fit a tool into our existing process versus really looking at how our process can be adapted using the tools. And, you know, I think one of, one of the good examples, um, when, as, as we separated from Intel to be our own standalone organization, you know, if we take the enterprise security manager platform that is our, um, our SIM and uh, SOC, you know, collection and event correlation and, and the whole kind of the, the backbone of an operations center, you know, there's a way that you actually have to adopt the process of how you look at noise signal um, and separating signal from noise to, to gain insights to take action. There is a process that follows it, and I think one of the things even my organization came in and was not look was not using the tool the way it was designed, and you get frustrated with it. Right. And you know it was a great as part of customer zero. We talk about you know how do we make this better? Well, we we went back to the engineering teams and they said you have to operate it this way. And when when that when that's when we we did this, it like it like. All of a sudden, the capabilities we, we could open up and really drive it, right, right. because I like. But we were kind of fighting against what we thought, you know, and, and being a standalone company, you know, kind of separating from Intel. A lot of my team was or new. We built new things that didn't always have the experience with our platform. So when we looked at it, like this is the best practice. Well, the best practice was really aimed at how do we optimize the tool right. versus you know I'm going to build what I've learned from my previous regime or my team's right. going to do it so you know really thinking about it, it it becomes important and I think that goes well, back because, and the fit there is you have to buy if you have if you if your view of best practices is, is at war with your tools then something's got to change yeah. and so ideally you do buy you get tools that that are congruent and, and compatible with your idea of the best practice yep. Um, so now, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is the migration to the cloud. And so, how is the migration to the cloud going to affect the way CISOs have to do their jobs? Um, you know, we, we've, uh, what type of cybersecurity, you know, will move to the cloud? You know, how will cybersecurity, you know, change as, as more and more applications and assets become cloud-oriented? 
you know, how can you plan to be uh, somebody who's a master of this hybrid world? Is there, are, there, are there any moves to make, or is it just a matter of protecting the assets wherever they are? I mean, or is there any you know, kind of larger you know, vision of this that, 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 or strategy that would make place? That would of, make sense. That was a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'll say two things I think are very important. Um, the, the first is that CISOs have to lead an organization. At the end of the day, we have to be leaders. We're not, we, we're not technicians. Um, we are business leaders that have to help businesses achieve the results and the outcomes that they're looking for. And you know, I, I think if we think about how do we enable the business to move to the cloud, um, if we're not having that conversation, they're gonna do it already and then we're too late. And I think being able to articulate the risk and the cons you know the challenges that are there from a security standpoint, you know, as simple as leaving an S3 bucket open becomes very valuable with how it is. So, you know, I think that's the first one. The second one is, and I will I will call it diversity. I think we have to think differently about the problem than we've historically done. So, you know, if we have the concept and the mindset that we need a firewall and a DMZ and a NAT rule and all of these things to work and, and not adopt and, and really change our approach to the cloud, um, I think we'll end up failing as well. So I think bringing in and, and having that, you know, Different thought process to go to the cloud becomes Good. important. So you, so you can't uh, you can't hug the technology you have. In other words, well, it appears that the the, the room police are now attacking us. I apologize. No worries. But uh, anyway, so Grant, this has been a really interesting conversation. I appreciate. Pleasure, it. Pleasure, I think, for the time, and hopefully we can do this again. Sounds good.